Good evening. Would you stand with us, please? We are so excited to have you here on this awesome Christmas Eve to lift our voices and praise our Holy Savior.
you please. Good evening. Welcome to our Christmas Eve celebration here at Crossroads. We are excited you're with us. If you don't know me, my name is Caleb York. I'm the student pastor here. And I tell you what, for the month of December, we've been talking about an awesome topic called Home for Christmas. And Home for Christmas brings so many thoughts to mind for me. You know, if you might think of Home for Christmas, you might think of some of those family memories you have growing up. Whether it was your kids opening presents on Christmas morning or you being the kid opening presents. And I actually brought a little something, because I'm new here, so I brought a little something to give you a little insight into my family memories. And I wanted to share that with you this morning. So check that out real quick. I'm the one in the brown robe, okay? Cubby, what'd you get for Christmas? Show us your train. I'm excited. Go for it. Let's see it go. That's my little brother. He's touching my toy. And I love in the background, this is the best part. My older brother. My, I hear my mom shout, Benji, put that knife down. So if... If you got any weird family memories like that, I mean, they, they, they bring back some good times, some good memories. But you know, when I was thinking about those memories, I was thinking about traditions that my family had growing up on Christmas. And, you know, I, I remember my dad every year would make homemade peanut brittle. He would bring all the supplies home and make it. We would devour that before Christmas Day was ever over. Peanut brittle, I mean, if you're not a fan of peanut brittle, don't say anything. All right, so, but we loved peanut brittle. And then another one was my mom would always play this old CD of classical Christmas music every year that was ingrained into our minds, but yet it set the mood for the whole house, and we always enjoyed that. But one tradition that really stuck out to me, one tradition that really made a huge impact on my life, was that every evening on Christmas Eve, before we went to bed, my dad would read us the Christmas story. Yeah, we would read Twas the Night Before Christmas, but then he'd read us the Christmas story about Jesus. And he would open his Bible and he would turn to Luke chapter 2 and he would begin to read. He would read, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you, this, uh, you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on, heaven, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. You know, when I read that verse and I think about the shepherds, and if you're familiar with the story, we even have the wise men who traveled afar. You know, no matter where you are, no matter where you've been in your life, you are always welcome at home with Christ. Would you stand with us one more time, please, as we sing a couple more very familiar Christmas carols. Again, praising our Lord and Savior tonight.
to, uh, or just wave to somebody that you maybe haven't seen for a little bit. We are very glad to have you here with us tonight.
God's people said, Amen. You know, it's so great to come on Christmas Eve and just gather with your friends and join actually millions of people around the, around the world as they pause and just take in, absorb the, the real true meaning of Christmas in a special way. Every year in our church, whenever we're on the precipice of a new year, we encourage people, hey, let's, uh, let's get into the Bible this year because we believe that that's God's answer for our life. You know, that's his direction. That's how he wants us to live, and we don't know how to do that unless we open the book. And so out in the foyer of the church, uh, we have in that little table on the left, right before you go out the main doors, uh, we have this piece of paper. It's a Bible reading schedule, little blocks that you can check off and and you can kind of read the Bible at your own pace. You don't have to race through it. I think if you can do this in one year, you can read the whole Bible in one year if you want to. But if that's a little much for you to start out, you can just start reading uh, in the New Testament or any book of the Bible, and this will give you a good record. So pick up one of them as you leave, and, and let's start this year out on the right foot as far as reading the Bible is concerned. Another project that we do every year is uh, we raise funds, not for ourselves, but to give away. Many years ago, we started this tradition at our church to raise money for missionaries. We believe in missionaries. We believe that the gospel is to be preached around the world. And uh, churches like ours uh, do things like this. Our first offering many years ago, I remember, was $386. We didn't even know a missionary to send it to. Well, we soon found one. We sent that money to Harold de Vilbus in Mexico City, Mexico. And we developed a relationship with them for about 40 years. This year, our goal is a little bit bigger. It's 74,000. Now, we're off to a really good start. We have, I think, now about $42,000 have come in. This is money we're not keeping here in our church. We're just distributing it. We're giving it to people all over the world, poor people, people who are ministering to poor people, and, and I think the Lord is really pleased with this. And so I want to thank those of you who already had a part, and I want to ask those of you who haven't yet to just pray about your part. And, it, and the deadline is when we finish the offering, you know, so it could be July 4th, I don't know. Not really. Uh, usually the deadline is usually about... Uh, January 15th, we've collected all the funds. So you have plenty of time to pray about it and uh, see what God would do in your heart to give to this tremendous cause. Also, I want to in invite you to our, our services this weekend. Uh, as Caleb mentioned to, uh, to you, we have this theme going on, Home for Christmas. This is going to be the last message in that series, and I'm going to be talking about unwrapping God's Christmas gifts. And so I hope you'll catch it. If you don't go to a church that teaches the Bible and explains the Bible to you, we invite you to come and join with us and just uh, check us out here on the hill, 9.30 or 11. Right now, we'd like to give some of our people like to bring their birthday gift to Jesus offering, that's what we call it, uh, on Christmas Eve. And so I'd like to ask you to stand with me, please, as our ushers will come right now and we'll receive this offering. And if you're visiting with us tonight, don't feel any compulsion to to have to give. This is for our people, and uh, they, they love to do this, and some of them love to do it, especially on uh, Christmas Eve. Dear Lord, we thank you so much that we can gather together up here on this hill to uh, actually join millions of people around the world that are pausing right now to, in this Christmas Eve uh, to think in, in really a more dynamic way about what you did when you came to this earth. I pray now that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, may God teach you the meaning of that name, Emmanuel. Wisdom's mystery, God with us. Sages look at it and wonder. 
angels desire to see it. The plumb line of reason cannot reach halfway into its depths. The eagle wings of science cannot fly so high, and the piercing eye of the vulture of research cannot see it. God with us. It is hell's terror. Satan trembles at the sound of it. His legions fly apace. The black-winged dragon of the pit quails before it. Let Satan come to you suddenly and do you but whisper the word, God with us, and back he falls, confounded and confused. Satan trembles when he hears that name. It is the laborer's strength. How could he preach the gospel? How could he bend his knees in prayer? How could the missionary go into foreign lands? How could the martyr stand at the stake? How could the confessor acknowledge his master? How could men labor if that one word were taken away? God with us is the sufferer's comfort, is the balm of his woe, is the alleviation of his misery, is the sleep that God gives to his beloved, is the rest after exertion and toil. God with us is eternity's sonnet, is heaven's hallelujah, is the shout of the glorified, is the song of the redeemed, is the chorus of angels, and is the everlasting oratorio of the great orchestra of the sky. God with us.
Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. The tricky clock tick-tocking, each painfully long minute unlocking. The tumbly, jumbly, can't close your eyes feeling. What will it be? When will it be? Oh, the anticipation, the watching, the wishing and waiting to let the wiggles and giggles and goosebumps go. To find, to see, to finally know. What will it be? When will it be? Oh, the expectation, the what-ifs, the oh-mys fairly shaking, longing for this night's joy all year, that moment of hope so very near. Oh, but would they, could they, imagine a gift so great, a gift that compelled the whole world to wait? When a heavenly Father gave all mankind his Son, the one, Love defined. The magic of Christmas is more brilliant, you see, than a bag or a box tucked under a tree. The true love of Christmas really began when holy God became holy. Christmas time. 
As a boy, Christmas time always meant visiting my grandparents in London. Grandmother loved to bake and spoil us with presents and cakes. After she died, it wasn't the same. Grandfather had never been one to say much, and he became even more quiet once he was bedridden. Alone in his room with him one Christmas Eve, neither of us knew what to say. To break the silence, I asked about an old photo on his shelf. I knew he had fought in World War One, though he rarely spoke of it. But something unlocked in him that night, and he told me this story. It was all supposed to be over by Christmas. Of course, it didn't happen that way. We spent every day and night in the trenches, and all the time, the enemy, fifty yards away. Waiting to shoot us. It felt like nothing could ever end. It. That Christmas Eve was about the lowest I'd ever felt. We got packages from home. Your grandmother sent me a picture of herself, but it just made me miss her more. Late that night, though, something happened. I heard singing. I grabbed my rifle and poked my head up just enough to see the lights, lights, all along the German trench. The Germans were singing Christmas songs and lighting candles. I don't know what drew him, but one German soldier climbed out of his trench and began to walk across no man's land. It was the bravest thing I've ever seen. Soon. I heard some of our men singing along with the Germans, and a few of the fellows started to climb out as well. Before long, most of us were out there. We shook hands with them, shook hands with the very Germans we'd been trying to kill. I guess we all wanted Christmas more than war that night. We spent all of Christmas Day right out in the open with them. We made small talk. Told jokes, traded little gifts with each other, and some of us held services, reading the Christmas story back and forth in English and German, and praying together on Christmas morning. I wouldn't believe it if I hadn't been there myself. Grandfather stopped talking. Finally, I asked him why that didn't end the war. How could they go back to shooting at each other after that? Most of us wanted it to be over. Of course, we wanted to go home, but we learned that year that Christmas isn't what brings peace. Christmas is a promise that Jesus will bring peace to all who believe, to the whole world, when the time is right. Christmas. Is the promise that one day we'll go home. I can't wait 
to shake hands with some of those German lads again. Because he came, we can go home. You want to come home to Christ. Now we think about Christmas. He is right in there. Christmas doesn't bring peace. Only Christ can bring peace. As a matter of fact, that's one of the names of, of God. And let's just read that together. Isaiah 9, 6 right here says this. Let's read it aloud. Would you join me? For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You are probably excited about some festival, some festive things that you're going to be doing tonight. Maybe you have a family gathering that you'll be heading off to. Maybe tomorrow you have a gathering and just a lot of excitement. But I want to just share with you and just bring back the, the, the reality of the situation that as much fun as that is, as much as I enjoy the time with family, as much as I enjoy the whole gift thing, there's only one thing that can really bring us peace, and that is Jesus Christ. That's why he came. You saw tonight God with us, Emmanuel. He didn't just say from heaven, I love you. He proved from heaven that he loves you. He came to this earth, and it started in the manger. And when Jesus came down to be born, 100% God, 100% man. And he was the everlasting father. He was there present at, crea present at creation. And then he came down to this earth as the prince of peace, the ruler of peace. Ephesians 2.14 says that he himself is our peace. If you want to have peace tonight, it starts with Jesus. You won't find peace in a bank account. You won't find peace in a relationship. You won't find peace in anything that this world will offer. As a matter of fact, all those things that the world offer may distract you from peace. You may have walked in tonight and said, wow, I look at my past. I sure need peace with my past. Maybe you're thinking about your present. You have some situations that are really disturbing. Maybe you're worried about the future and you need peace with your future. It all starts with peace with God. See, because when Jesus came to this earth, he died on the cross. He didn't just come as a baby. He grew up and he lived the perfect sinless life. He was the only one that could go to the cross. Romans 5.8 says that God proved his love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then over here in Romans 5.10, we see at one point we were enemies. For if we were God's enemies, at one point we were all the enemy of God, enemies of God. We were reconciled to him through the death of his son, Jesus. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Jesus came that you might have eternal life. He came that you may have peace with God. At one point, you were the enemy of God. Jesus came to the earth and he died. Started out in the manger. He lived a perfect life. Died for your sin. And the Bible tells us that he did that. He conquered death so that you could become the friend of God. So that you could be reconciled, made right with God. Tonight as we continue to sing, our next song is he made a way in the manger to make a way to the cross. As our singers come back, I'd like for you just to pause and let's just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a few moments. And uh, as, as they come up and begin to sing, I just want you to reflect on on your need tonight, your need for peace. Only Jesus can give it to you. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. Nothing in this world will give it to you. But Jesus, he himself is our peace. So as, as they begin to sing, I'd just like to ask that as a congregation, don't sing the first verse. I want you just to sit back and take in those words. He made a way in a manger to make a way to the cross.
together on Christmas Eve to think about these things. We can go home and we can open the Bible and we can begin to read. And You know, the interesting thing about the Bible is when you read the Old Testament, it's, it points to Christ coming. All those prophecies. Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 But thou, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of you shall he come forth unto me, who is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from everlasting, from old. These Old Testament prophecies pinpointed the very birth place where Jesus would be born, Bethlehem of Judea. It also said that a virgin in Isaiah 7.14 would conceive and bring forth a son, and his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. We heard the preaching tonight of one of the greatest preachers, I guess, that's ever lived in London, England, Charles Spurgeon. We quote him all the time. He was talking about God being with us. This was his plan. 
His plan was to come down to this earth so that he could move among us, uh, check us out from a different perspective, if you will, God with us. Everything changed when Jesus came down. God put on the fle his flesh and he was born and he was raised uh, by his earthly parents. And uh, he did that for, for a number of reasons. He wanted to you to know that when you pray to him, he understands what you're talking about. Because he was rejected, he was beaten, he was crucified, he was hated. All the things that people in this world go through, he experienced. And so when we go to him with our troubles, uh, he knows exactly what we're talking about. God with us. That was his first destination. That was Bethlehem to be born, to be among us, with us. The second destination was the cross of Calvary. I think some people think, well, you know, that was an accident. You know, they just, it was an un unfortunate event. Here was this great teacher and they grabbed him and threw him up on a cross. No, it wasn't an accident. It was on purpose. Jesus surrendered his life. He said, no man can take my life from me. I lay it down of my own free will. And so his destination was the cross. And uh, that's God for us. Uh, you know, whenever you see that cross, that plus sign, that means God's for you. He loved you so much that he sent his only son to die in your place. You see, we deserve to die and to be separated from God. That's what the Bible says. Our sins have separated us from God. That's why we don't have a connection. And so Jesus came and he said, listen, I'll take your place. I'll pay the price you owe, which is death, and I'll take your place on the cross. That's why we love him so much because he pushed us out of the way of the wrath of God and said, I'll take the heat, lay it on me, he died. Now that's God for us. But you know, that's not the final destination. The final destination of Christ is Christ in us. Ephesians 3.17 says this, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. If you're looking for a change of life, I'll tell you what, when Christ comes into your heart, he changes your life. I think a lot of times people think, you know, I'm going to come to, uh, to church one day and I'm going to change my life and all of that, and it never happens. You know, it's all just like wishful thinking. And the reason why is because you can't impose Christianity from the outside. It has to be born on the inside. It has to be a change of your heart. And the only person that can change your heart is Christ. And when he comes into our life, it's like, wow, things are different now. He's with me. Christ in you. There's this tremendous verse of scripture in the last book of the Bible. It says this, Revelation 3.20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to them and we'll have fellowship with them and they with me. Jesus comes, to our comes into our life and he approaches us in different ways at different times in our life. He knocks on our heart's door because he wants to come in. That's, the, that's his destination. He wants to come in and save us and wash away our sins and, and guide us then in our life. And, but, you know, some of you have seen the picture. It's popular all over, I guess, all over the world of Jesus knocking on the hearts on a door, you know. And, but you'll notice on most of those pictures, there's no doorknob on the outside. The doorknob is on the inside. And the whole idea of that is Christ won't knock your door down. He won't force his way into your life. You have to open the door from the inside. But he knocks on your heart's door. And he does that in certain ways through circumstances. When things go bad... You think of God. Uh, through somebody bringing you to even to a service like this and, and you know that the answer to peace and happiness is not what's under the tree. It's Christ. Christ in you. The scripture says that God knocks on our door in different ways. And maybe you're here tonight and maybe God's been knocking on your door and you just, you just haven't opened it yet. Well, let me say to you that's very possible that you can do that. Because the scripture says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, that's a wonderful verse, Romans 10. 
13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, whosoever, that means anybody. Nobody, God doesn't want to leave anybody out. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your present is. God's concerned about your future. And he wants you to come to him and bring the broken pieces of your life and lay them right down before him and open your heart and let him come in and heal you. Put your life together. Put it on track. Make peace with God. Many years ago, I took that word whosoever out and I put my name in there. If John Arnold would call upon the name of the Lord, I would be saved. But guess what? I did that. I called out on Christ. And boy, I tell you, when you call out on Christ, he hears you. Because he wants you to come. He wants to come into your life and save you. And give you a, a new direction in your life. And so I, I extend that invitation to you tonight here in the church. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'd just like to say this. If you need Christ tonight and you sense he's knocking on your heart's door, you haven't found him in religion, you haven't found him in going to church, you find him in faith, simply talking to him, just believing in him and trusting him. If you're here tonight and you'd like to invite Christ into your heart, if you're one of those whosoever's I mentioned, that's you. I'd like to lead you in a prayer. We call it the prayer of salvation. Don't pray this out loud, but pray it in your heart if you want Christ. Just say something like this. Dear Lord, I need you. I need you tonight, really. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I accept your forgiveness. Forgive me of my sins. I'm trusting you tonight to be my Savior. And you and you alone. And I'm opening my heart, the door of my heart right now. Lord, step in. Take control of my life. Send your Holy Spirit to live within me and guide me on the next step of the journey of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing this next song?